The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of the show. So this week I've got some really good guests. I've got an interview with Paul King, who's the current APP treasurer, and Dr. Matt Lauder, a historian and anthropologist from the UK. And they're going to be talking about the FGM issue in the UK market uh, that stands for female genital mutilation. So it's a little bit difficult to explain quickly. So uh, they they talk for about an hour and they explain it really eloquently. Um, Basically, body piercing, uh, consensual body piercing on an adult below the waist on a female can be prosecutable as assault, essentially. So we're going to talk a little bit about how that affects the professional piercing industry over there, um, where it kind of got like mixed up in the wording. It's basically just kind of a semantics error. Um, I mean, they're obviously trying to protect people from actual assault and, and harm and mutilation, but they've kind of swept professional, consensual adult body piercing up with those other harms. So it is a really complicated issue. I know a lot of piercers in the UK who just don't offer female genital piercings because of that issue. Uh, I fully understand the irony of three men discussing the issue of female genital mutilation, uh, but believe me when I say that they are experts on the subject. I, I really don't know anyone who has done more research than Paul King or Matt Lauder on this issue. Uh, they're very well spoken and they're very well read up on the issue, so they can explain it really well. Uh, so my name is Paul King. Uh, I own a shop called Cold Steel America in San Francisco. I'm also the treasurer for the Association of Professional Piercers, and you can find me at treasurer at safepiercing.org if it's regarding anything professional or industry-wide, or you can find me if it's specifically about piercing in San Francisco at Cold Steel or through Cold Steel. Uh, I've been a body piercer since 1991. Uh, I'm known, I guess, in the industry for having done it for a long time, Mm -hmm. as well as... uh, The guy from the crime video. Uh, that I wasn't going to say, but thanks. Thanks for bringing that up. Actually, I don't toot that horn, but I don't need to. Other people toot it for me. Um, no, for historian, mm-hmm. for for doing history within the community yeah. and anthropology within the community. Yeah, you've really kind of like opened a lot of people's eyes to the anthropology and history of the industry rather than just kind of saying, oh, scroll through my Facebook feed and you'll see it all. You're really trying to make it an archive. and it's. it's it, really I believe it's, it, history needs to be lived. Exactly. It needs to be experienced. Right. Material objects, uh, you know, in an exhibit somewhere are half dead at best. Yeah. I, I call them zombie exhibits. Right. You really need that that. You need the warmth, you need the humanity to, to bring those exhibits alive. Right. Uh, and my name is Dr. Matt Lodder. I'm a lecturer in art history at the University of Essex in Colchester in England. Um, I'm a historian um, of tattooing, largely, um, but I also write about where that intersects with, um, with piercing and body mod. I've published articles about the history of tongue splitting. I've published stuff about... Um, the modern primitives movement or, or, or lack of movement. <laughs> um, I and I've been around. I'm, I'm you know I've been around the uh, piercing scene since I was a teenager, since you know the early nineties, I suppose. Um, so I'm kind of doing history from the inside. I think is the right way to put it, um, which is interesting. You know, I get access to a lot of um, private materials, private archives, private collectors. Um, whose stuff isn't accessible to academics normally. So trying to sort of, sounds a bit more grandiose than I mean it, but sort of trying to literally rewrite the history books because um, the kind of academic history books, the the, the sort of tomes that end up, you know, through the crazy store of Wikipedia and into the public consciousness are written by um, academics generally who don't know or care about... They're outside um, of the sphere and they don't understand. Yeah, Yeah. and they're they're generally... Tattooing and piercing particularly is one of those things that academics kind of do as as a hobby sometimes, like they're bored of what they're doing normally, Mm. um, and they think tattooing or piercing is going to be a fun thing for them to write about. Right, some fringe element. Yeah, Yeah. and they don't do the hard work, they don't... 
uh, they can't do the hard work because they can't get access to the to the to the material because you know they ring up tattooers and piercers and are like, oh hey, you know you're weird. I want to write about you. And right. then, yeah, phone hangs up. I mean, literally, there's or even they have a, a bias going into yeah. it. They already know what they're going to be yeah, writing. Exactly. So they're just looking to, exactly. to prove their right, hypothesis. Right. There was an yeah. amazing article. It's slightly a tangent, but this is it was an amazing article written by a business studies PhD student who was wanting to do a kind of um, like a, a survey of like tattooing as an industry. And she write, she wrote an article about how she tried to get tattooers to talk to her and they, they wouldn't. And she was like, Well I I went like I went undercover and I like wore a Metallica t shirt and boots and they still like wouldn't let me interview them and it's so unfair because I'm doing this work and it's really important and I'm now I'm just gonna have to go and study luthiers instead. So that's what she did. She went and did her PhD about luthiers, you know, people who make fucking violins and stuff. Wow. Um, and wrote this really kind of petulant article that was published about like difficult access to research material and how like, how how this sort of study was so difficult because but, but in a completely non-reflexive oh, way. Oh completely non-reflexive. Like no yeah. no self-awareness yeah. so, whatsoever. So I mean I feel like she you know, she was she was obviously kind of an early career scholar but I I'm writing a book at the moment on the history of tattooing and um, the first chapter is kind of an overview of these issues and that that's almost the first thing that I talk about about and, how academics muck this stuff. And and then what but were you also situated in the context yeah. of why there's resistance? Yeah. It's like if if you don't if you it'd be like me as a, as a white male wandering into uh, an African American community and right. expecting access wearing like, a disguise yeah. or, or not yeah. like just yeah. expecting access yeah. without understanding. Yeah, the I want to talk about your history and your private life. Power. I don't understand it, yeah. but I want to explore it from my perspective. But of abuse yeah. of power, right? You know, yeah. it's like right. That that's that is a huge part of the, the yeah. history of tattooing. Yeah, and it's you know and that that's just really prurient and really voyeuristic, and you know trying not yeah. to do that. So yeah, that's what I do. We also have kind of a, a strange older connection because yeah. he actually did the the interview with me on BME Zine years ago that got me the Lord of the Blade moniker. So that's that. I didn't know that's about Lord of the Lord Blade. Of the Blade. Yeah. Entirely tongue in cheek. Uh, uh, yeah, not yeah, serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, and that was actually one. Of, I was doing my masters at the time, and that was one of the first kind of public bits of writing on the on the industry that I published so. and it was kind of published as sort of a mystery writer at first yeah because it was kind of like a sort of like a tryout for a, a position with BMA. Sure. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, um yeah didn't get hired by Shannon I think I dodged a bullet I came second <laughs> yeah. I came second in that competition and I think I think in hindsight that was the Sorry, right thing upward to bigger better that things. was the right thing to have happened second yeah. was first yeah 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 so one topic that gets brought up at, at this particular conference because we're we're at the UK APP seminars in, in sure. Birmingham is the issue of FGM, uh, female genital mutilation. So maybe kind of talk a little bit about the background for the listeners that might not be familiar with that issue even existing. All right, so how do we come into this? Uh, so since the late 70s, uh, f female genital mutilation, and I only use the, that word in quotes, quotes, I prefer to address when I talk about the subject as female genital alteration, right? because it's this huge spectrum. And although we say the word female genital and mutilation, mutilation has that negative connotation. Not just a negative, yes, absolutely. That and, uh, we all know what it is, mm -hmm. except we don't. Right. It's like, I have no idea what's in your mind when you say it, you have no idea what's in my mind when I say it. Right. And I certainly have no idea of what was in the writers of definitions, <laughs> some of these definitions. Uh, out there on what it is. And I don't think they did either. So hopefully we can um, dig into all that and have what I'm saying make some sense at some point. So anyway, so female genital mutilation, uh, in quotes, uh, became an issue in the late 70s, a global issue, a global known issue in the late 70s, as the feminist movements in the West started to gain power and agency and experience. And then they started to take their fight for equality, understandably, uh, globally. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that became very apparent uh, very quickly was when, they, uh, when some of these uh, activists went to Africa, they saw this practice. Up until that point, only Western missionaries had really taken exception with it. They saw this practice that was going on, and they're like, oh my God, this must be stopped. We must save. Them. Are you talking about like clitorectomy? Clitorectomies, exactly. Excision, uh, infibulation. Yeah. Uh, this must be stopped. Right. It's abhorrent. Uh, you know, these females are. Be it's non-consensual. Right. It's abhorrent, and a whole set of uh, beliefs were ascribed to it, and generalizations mm -hmm. were ascribed to it. And I want to be perfectly clear. 
I am in no way a proponent of anyone being mutilated. I'm no way a proponent of anyone uh, having anything done to them against their will. Yeah. Uh, so particularly children right. is what I'm trying to say. I'm not in any way saying that, that I'm pro non-consensual modifications mm-hmm. of any sort. Right. Uh, so, so what? So it started in the seventies, and uh, the United Nations quickly became involved. And United Nations is a global effort. It's it's you know the nations of the world yeah. united, committed to being united. That's that's kind of how the United Nations operates. Mm-hmm. It's, we all we're separate nations, right. and we, and I know that sounds really like simplistic and overstated. But so then, what happens? How does that work? It mm-hmm. means that the United Nations has campaigns. They see problems, and they're like, you, all right, you over there, United Kingdom, what are you going to do about this? Stand up against this. France, what are you going to do about this? United States, what are you going to do about this? And they all came forward, and they did stuff, and they wrote legislation, which has been changed. You had it in 85 in the UK, and then they they updated it in uh, 2003, and then they they tweaked it a little bit in 2015. The main issue, um, and I give you all this background, you're welcome to cut out what you need, uh, the main issue came from the 2003. Mm-hmm. And what they did in the, the Female Genital Mutilation Act of 2003 is they adopted the exact language of the United Nations. Okay. Why would that be a problem? Well, the United Nations language, their definitions, were meant to be paired. It's a, it's a two-prong uh, it's a two-prong understanding of the problem. You have the definitions, what is going on, and then who? Mm-hmm. Who are we talking about? Right. And the thing is, who they are talking about are, this is in quotes, at-risk communities. Okay. Communities that have been identified by the United Nations as being at-risk. And when you are looking at these at-risk communities, then these definitions apply. Okay. But you can't write that into law. Mm-hmm. Because it be quickly becomes apparent that it's 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 racist. Right. It's flat out racist. Because it's based on ethnicity, point of origin. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and you can't have like so, religion even. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it would have started breaking down much sooner, right. <laughs> and the right. problem would have been revealed much quicker, had they done, had they applied these definitions how they were intended to be applied, which is to at risk communities. Right. But they didn't. They took these definitions and they put them in the law, and it was just assumed. Like, it was, it was so unconscious. Like we all, many of us, when we hear female genital mutilation, the 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 media reporting that's been done on mm. it is extremely ref- uh, effective. Right. We can visualize that that small Machete girl hacking. Yeah. Yes, that screaming small girl. Tied down. Exactly. Yeah. On some dirty, dusty, right. rural. Right you know, tribal in quotes, mm-hmm. you know, area off in Africa somewhere. We right. all know that. Right. But the problem is when you when they decoupled the language from the regulations and you just have it stand that, you know, using all the same overgeneralizations that the United Nations used, and in two thousand and eight they put out an interagency publication. And the beauty of that publication is they even tell you the errors in their logic. They right. tell, like, yeah, this is this is all slippery slope argument and our statistics are all problematic and we're overgeneralizing. They tell you, the United Nations tells you, and then they say, but it does not matter. Okay. Because we are trying to eliminate, our goal is to eliminate this right. practice in one generation. Okay. Which means no compromise and, and right. You know, mea culpa. No shades of gray. But this is Black yeah. This is the way we're going. This is the course we're going. And the beauty is, like, it, I, I don't even have to speculate that. It's literally in writing. They okay. like they just show you their cards yeah. at that time. But apparently, legislators haven't been reading that part. Yeah. And they'll they'll propagate and they'll use the the model that the United Nations used to hypothetically, theoretically, what however you want to frame it, come up with. Probable statistics. Well, if we have this many immigrants from at-risk communities, at-risk communities, these girls are in danger. We have right. you know hundred thousand UK girls that are in danger. Right. The other problem with the regulations in two thousand and three, uh, and there's several, is um, so they use the same overgeneralizing statements that you know it causes trauma, and uh, it causes you know. Uh, potential loss of life and and I'm not I'm not saying that that does not happen and I'm not saying that right. that is not true but it's not but they've ascribed it to every single 
type yeah. of mutilation. Right. And there is no spectrum. Right. There is they put no that stamp of mutilation on consensual alteration. Yeah. It, it, it applies universally. Right. The same problems with childbirth, problems with having a, they've 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 assigned it to all categories. Right. Because it's it's warlike slogans. Mm-hmm. It's warlike campaign. Mm-hmm. So it's just hit them hard, right. hit them clear, so that your your message is easily understood to the audience receiving it. Right. And they know this, and they're unapologetic about it because they feel the ends justifies the means. Yeah, I mean, the so that's sort of pretty worth stressing, like really hard. In that this is what, probably why we're talking about this. Actually, we're not talking. We're not actually not talking about FGM in the sense that the legislators intend. Right. We're talking about Intention. the kind. Of, we're talking about the. We're talking about the the, the collateral damage exactly. and the fallout. Right. This is what exactly. we're, we're going to talk about. I mean, what's really interesting about the campaigns. Um, is that it is a rhetorical campaign. It's not a real campaign. No arrests ever. No no convictions in the UK under, under the 80s law, under 2003 law. It's entirely a kind of we must be seen to be doing something. Yes. It's, uh, um, it's, a, it's, it's a moral panic in all kinds of ways, which, which also has a kind of rhetoric of, I mean, the tabloids love this stuff because it's all about kind of these Shock these, value. these horrible immigrant communities, and look at the barbaric practices. It's very, it's it's a campaign driven by kind of good intentions and rhetoric, which is why. So the things that we're interested in, in this context, the kind of the, the consensual uh, piercing and vaginoplasties and things like that, which kind of end up by accident, um, if you want to use that term, under the rhetoric of the law. Um, the, they're not important. The, the, the nuance isn't in, isn't important to the legislators because it's not a law intended to have any nuance, right? As you were saying, <laughs> exactly. Right? It was meant to be a hammer. Yeah, they yeah. steamrolled past all the shades of gray because obviously no one wants to see a, a young girl mutilated, yeah. but they ignore all these other things that are just caught up in those because shades of gray. Because there was no gone. imaginings that we were talking about us, right? We are talking about them, right? We are talking about that the xenophobia, other. racism of. And some of it is like, and and this is where uh, you know you you find hegemony from the liberal left, where you know we must save the world, you know that's a very American right. value. Right. We must parade. We must. We're go their and only save. hope. We are the yeah. only hope. Uh, you are in a patriarchal society. Your women, therefore, cannot act as free agents. They right. can't think clearly. Mm. That is why culture is not an, uh, 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 an excuse for consent. So an adult, so think about that, like in, in trying to save those bodies. And, and again, I'm not saying that we should not help yes. those that are not asking to be helped. Yeah. But in doing so, we're saying we are stripping you of any ability to consent. Right. What type of violence is that? And what type of blind bias is that to think that we also aren't in patriarchal societies. Right. But the thing is, when it's a different enough, it feels different. Right. And so what we're getting now into is the deeper levels. Like, it just feels gross. It feels different. We're talking about them, we're not talking about us. So when they wrote that legislation, or I should say when they copied and pasted that legislation, they never thought that the word Pierce would apply to female, adult, white UK born bodies. Right. Yeah. So now it's that was never even an imagining. Now it's an our problem, not a their problem. Yeah. Exactly. And now it's like, whoa, 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 wait. So you know, you you hear, you can literally hear the backpedaling where like nurses are like, well of course we're not talking about that. And like and legislators are of course we're not talking about that. Except it's the law. Yeah. Right. And this is this is this is you know, sort of cut to the present or cut to twenty fifteen, right? Which is when this becomes an issue because because of this history of no prosecutions. Again, act because there there are really really good activist um, communities, you know, who are activating for for what we might call you know actual FGM, the kind of real the who are kind of you know marginalised communities who are you know who are saying look why there are um, girls who are trafficked overseas who are having um, uh, procedures done to them, and there are campaigners are going well why why is nothing being done and so the the government um, sat down and said in twenty fourteen is that right yeah twenty fifteen oh they've been going all along yeah <laughs> but, but twenty thir- thirteen thirteen and fourteen are like okay yeah. NHS, this is what you're looking for. Yeah, this is what you're looking for. And um, and I've been I mentioned this a lot because I think it's really important and interesting. Uh, the Home Affairs Select Committee, which is a kind of group of parliamentarians 
who sit down and discuss kind of implementations of law, um, sat down and discussed these issues. Like, why have there been no why have there been no convictions? Is it a problem with the law? Is it a reporting issue? Is it a policing issue? Like, like what's going on? Why have we had no convictions when you know something must be done? And Theresa May, who's now the Prime Minister of the UK, but who was the Home Secretary. <coughs> So the minister, the supreme minister in the country in charge of justice and criminal law, um, she was asked blankly, does this law as written make cosmetic vaginoplasty illegal? And she went, probably. So when yeah. you so when you kind of when you hear the backpedaling, it's 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 loud and it's kind yeah. of, but um, then that and this is I mean there's some sort of like interesting issues with this which is that there's been there have been no arrests or convictions for um for fgm at all right um which in some respects also kind of works in our favor as you know if, if, we're, if we're using those terms which is that i don't think people that you know pierces are going to be arrested for doing this before they arrest you know people who are no, people but, who are trafficking their, their their kids out to but what i am seeing and 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 thank god you know that uh, so first of all um couple of things that i want yeah. to say yes the fact that there's no re- uh, arrest occurring if there is no female genital in quotes again non-consensual alterations yeah. <laughs> uh being performed uh that's fantastic uh if they are happening there's some gross incompetence because yeah. you have the oh, entire yeah. NHS system right. that is compelled under penalty of you know breaking the law to report these cases, right. particularly if it is a minor. Mm-hmm. I mean, supposed immigration to, is supposed to enforce it as well. Look, with schools. no documented so progression either, or yeah, So either value. the UK is completely incompetent, and I will go on the record with saying that, or something else is going on, and it's yeah. far more complicated than we think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and what I would say is, so when the NHS, which is the, the National Health System, when they, or services... Services. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> when, when they come out with their... They, they come out with quarterly, and they come out with annual reports. And when they come out with their annual reports, they also give a press statement. Now, the problem with that is journalists then don't read the report. They're being framed and told how to present the report. And uh, there's either a great deal of ignorance in journalism in the UK. That's definitely true. Uh, <laughs> and or uh, nefarious intentions. Like they're, they're just seeking headlines because... Right. That's also true. <laughs> NHS will report that there's 5,000 plus new recorded cases. New recorded cases does not mean new occurrences. And if you read the actual report, which apparently BBC, The Independent, UK Mail, all none of these actually are reading mm-hmm. the report. You would say you would see quickly that because c- all the details are in there, what's actually happening in the UK. So from the period of 2016 to 2017, there was a, a, a 12-month period, there were 57 cases of but all you see in the headlines are 5,000 plus. Mm-hmm. Now, 57 cases of, in quotes, female genital mutilation happening be, in the UK would be 57 too many, right? In my opinion, except because the terminology in the 2003 Act has the word piercing, and again, they were never thinking of a shop in Camden Street, right? With doing a, VCH. a UK, yeah, with yeah. doing a vertical hood, uh, clitoral hood piercing consensually with a cute little jewel in there to increase... On an adult who can make a decision an about adult, their own body. 18 and over. They were never imagining that. They probably, most of them, never even heard of it. Right. They were thinking of that, you know, little brown child in the dusty plains of Africa or an immigrant of, of such... Being abused. Being yeah. abused. That's what they're thinking. But the word piercing's in there. And this is where the trouble of language comes from. So the word piercing's in there, and piercing's in there, whether it's a rusty nail, a thorn off some bush, or a sterile hypodermic needle right. uh, used for inserting jewelry for adornment or pleasure, uh, it doesn't matter. Piercing is piercing. And so that's where the problem is coming to. Uh, so those 57 cases that I just referenced, they clearly state in there 50 of them were on adult women for adornment. 
it was Western style body piercing. Mm-hmm. But it, number one, it's still being classified. Mutilation is still happening. But at least they're having the courtesy, if you will, or the correctness of reporting to say that that's what it is. Now, the other seven, they don't give any data for. They, if, if the, the problem with the report, I, I believe, is uh, what they do instead is if it's under a certain number, and forgive me, it's slipping my mind right now, but if it's under a certain number, and it's a, uh, obviously it's under seven, uh, if it's under a certain number, they just put an asterisk. So one of the categories is unknown. So... I don't know, something's happened here, and yeah. uh, that's category unknown. Make yourself shaving. Because I have no idea what it is, yeah, or <laughs> it could just simply be their inner labia are different sizes, or there's right. discoloration. Right. And again, I'm not saying that I'm a proponent of FGM, in quotes, and I'm not saying uh, that it's... There it, aren't victims, it, yeah. That there aren't victims, thank you. Uh, but something's going on here. So you've got 57 documented cases from the National Health Services uh, in the entire country, 50 of them are clearly adult women with uh, jewelry uh, that are doing it for adornment and, and pleasure and what we understand in the West is an act of agency and independence. And then seven, they can't even identify. Right. It was and it, it one, seems like and two, if it was their definition of mutilation, they would want to trumpet that and be like, Yes, we, yeah. we are saving these seven people. Well, the interesting, yeah. the interesting thing about, about that, there's always interesting things about that. One of the most interesting things about that is, and this is, again, what kind of panicked the industry in this country, was that, hey, uh, mutilation must be reported, and yeah. mutilation includes um, pierce, adorn, yeah. piercing for adornment. And so, hey, doctors, hey, gynecologists, midwives, um, if you uh, have a patient with a piercing, you have to report it. Yeah. But clearly that ain't happening. <laughs> no. There is there's defi- more than There's definitely more than 50 women with genital piercings yeah. who've gone to a doctor in the past 12 months. Right? Absolutely. So there's also something kind of interesting about the about the reporting statistics. Yeah. There's something and you know, um I think cuz they know it's nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And doc- doctors doctors by and large, you know, they they've got better things to be doing. Yeah. So, yeah, the whole the whole but I wonder see I then, but then comes the question do they, they need some numbers in that column because that so the other the other rest of those five thousand are um, purportedly cases that happened overseas on women who now live in the UK, right? right. But, but there's also but also yeah that but that that's the framing of it. Yes. The, the truth is is is, is unclear. But they, the column is the, with the fifty seven in it is uh, UK uh, born and UK resident women who's who were mutilated in the UK. Yeah. And that's almost, that's really a lot of what the law is, uh, certainly what the rhetoric around the law is meant to be cu- they, at risk at communities, risk communities in, the, in this country and girls in this country. And there's, you know, we immigrants were, and, and the children of immigrants. And we were, so, yeah, we were talking yesterday uh, about this reporting about that there's FGM parties and huge groups come together, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, may or may not, may or may not be true, but there's certainly there's been no convictions, no evidence. And the police have come out and said there's no evidence that's, that that's happening. It's but, just... But they it's need some numbers in that unfathomable for me to believe that if there were parties occurring, yeah. parties occurring in in the yeah. UK, they should be kicking down the door, yeah. kicking down the door, yeah. undercover, right? Uh, and like at some point, yeah, these you have to ask these, why these females, yeah. you know, at some point and, are going to be seeing doctors, right? Yeah. And what's I mean, and what's interesting? I mean, so 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 the point is they need some numbers in that column to justify yes. the whole thing to start with. But also, I think it's really interesting that, um, you know, let's 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 not say that you know, no girl in this country has ever been mutilated in the you know in the in the kind of conventional uh, way. Um, it must must have happened, right? Sure. But, um, even you know, even activists who are trying to stop that happening. They don't want their numbers confused with women who are getting clit hoods, do they? Because they, because 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 I think well, I, I, I you know, because know. it distracts, it distracts and 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 minimize, minimizes the, the the harms that they're trying to combat. I don't know. Uh, I think that they don't want this issue. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, th- from what I've read, particularly regarding cosmetic surgeries, yeah, elective, free choice. Uh, you know, consented cosmetic surgeries. The general notion is they will acknowledge, you're right, that there is a hypocrisy here. 
that we would only apply this to our communities or immigrant communities or the children of immigrant communities. We need, like, it, it would be racist to do that. Therefore, yeah. white women and UK-born you know, white women should not be performing these surgeries either. And that because it's it would be hypocritical. And again, this is their language. You know, it'd be hypocritical, and the end justifies the yeah. end. We want one generation complete eradication. And that that guess brings us to the point of whether whether or not female genital piercing is legal in this country. And we were you know there's there's lots of kind of ambiguity about that. Yeah. Um, and in fact, it has been you know since the eighties. Well, so. It, I don't think that there's any ambiguity about how the law is written. Yeah. Anyone that is a literalist that yeah. believes in per the letter of the law, it's clearly illegal per as a literalist. Yeah. How it would play out in the court, uh, CPS, the, the Crown Prosecution Services, like they'll be the first ones to tell you it will depend on the case. Yes. And that yeah. jurisprudence, whether it's the US or the UK, we don't have such li- court cases. Yeah, we don't have such literalists. Judges great. as you have in the uh, in That's the states. Great. So, <laughs> That's great. Um, you can really see you can see though the the negative impact it's had on the growth of the industry because there's this generation of piercers that are afraid. Self-policing. Well, yeah. they're they're self policing, but they're, they're afraid to even have the discussions about offering those piercings yeah. or how they can combat yeah, yeah. that that mislabeling. Which, which in some ways points to a greater societal ill where you know at some point the state doesn't even have to police you. Right. They can have you police yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and, and that is the unfortunate thing. And that's one of the things that I try to bring up. Like, I'm, I, I get it. I'm a white American male. Like, so I only have so much legitimacy. I have only so much at stake in this argument over here. So I, I do come over here and I do have some skill sets and I do have some knowledge and I try to share that. And I'm not here to spearhead or be the spokesperson yeah. for Mansplain. Any, <laughs> yeah. You know, thank you, mansplain anything. But they, they're, we all have choices in this, and we all have choices, and my choice is to try and educate, but they have choices too, and I try to explain to them, not making a choice and trying to ignore this problem is also a choice. Right. Because decisions are being made, and anything that happens at, on a government level can sometimes take decades, mm-hmm. and these things continue to unfold hour after hour after hour. So are you just gonna stop offering female genital piercings? Are you gonna keep offering male genital piercings? Mm-hmm. Are you all right with that unfairness? That sexist double standard. Yeah. yeah. Do you see yourself as a feminist? <laughs> you know. But then, like, it it becomes hard because, like, again, it's not my business. I haven't put my life savings. Right. I don't have a family that's dependent on that. You're income. not likely to be prosecuted. I might. Yeah. I might have this great ideology that, oh my God, this is sexist and unfair, and therefore, you know, one of my thoughts was, I would probably seriously consider having a blowout, huge. Industry-wide sale, if I was in the UK, I'd be like, you know what? We're just going to do five-pound female genital piercing. Right, yeah. And we're going to, like, because it's your body, adorn it, enjoy it. It's your choice. Give up brochures about the topic. Exactly, exactly. Did you see that little dummy brochure I made up? I didn't, no. It's it's (laughs) in the slideshow. Yeah, I made up a little, like, that's one of the things that I suggested is that they, they, they need to get... I, I would like for them to consider to get more proactive. Right, right. And one of those things is you just give every female That sounds client. like something an APP grant could help with. <sighs> yeah, I'll show you the slide. Yeah, totally. And and perhaps we'll write it. And I think I think you made, you made a really interesting point in your talk, actually, which was that, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sort of, you know, I'm fairly relaxed. I don't, I don't think, I don't think any peers in this country are at risk of prosecution, at least. But you made a great point, which was, uh, which was, don't well, you? they could be. No, I don't. I'm quite com- because I I don't know because for example so you know we, we a lot of a lot of the kind of deep history of this and in the relationship between piercing and the law in this country goes back a long way goes back to the Spanner case and things like that um, but the 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 the, the post Spanner enforcement of laws which seem to ban which even seems to ban um, erotic piercing um, in the nineties. Um, off the back of the, off the back of the, you know, by again by a sort of by a strict and and you know confirmed reading of the law in the UK that that prevents harm, you know, the, the offences against the person act, which is an act you know designed to deal with people having fights in the street, right? Yeah. Um, so the, the 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 reading of that law that was um, confirmed by the European Court of Human Rights in um, uh, sorry, uh, 
yeah, they're not the not the European Court of Human Rights, the European Court of Justice in 1997, and they said, yep, by the reading of the um, that statute, um, you cannot consent to harm, right? And there was a bit of a panic in, in UK law, and, and they explicitly go, oh, piercings are really complicated, we don't quite know what to do with it, but... Uh, um, and there's, you know, there's a beautiful footnote in the Law Commission um, uh, review of the of that law in, in, in the um, late 90s where they go, oh, I don't quite know what to do with piercing. But any kind of strict reading of that law would have been prosecuting piercers 20 years ago. Sure. But, um, but and you look at what happened, so there's a... a the only the other important case after after R versus Brown, the Spanner case, is a case called R versus Wilson, and um, this was a case with a man and a woman, uh, a couple, and the guy branded his wife, right on on the butt, um, and it was uh, it got it, it, he was they, you know, consensual and everything else, but as it came to court. Uh, the judge, the the the, the, the um, you know, wife said I consented to this. By the by, the logic of Spanner, um, that was not a defence. So the Crown Prosecution pushed it. It got to court, and the judge said, "I don't want to get involved with what um, <laughs> straight people get up to in their bedrooms, right?" It's because you know the, the Spanner case was was was. But he quantified was it with straight. Well, yeah, it was basically kind of you're a married couple. Right. You know, I do not want to. I do not want to kind of. It's not the law's place to intrude into what what married couples get up to in the bedroom, right? And that was, and why are you wasting my time with this? Right. And that was essentially, and that, and that you know, as a piece of uh, law, as a piece of kind of case law, has has a, has a lot of heft, right? Because anyone who was charged could go, hey, you didn't charge Wilson. Or you didn't convict Wilson. So, you know, so the, the law, as you said, the law is always grey and there's always like shades, but I, I, I'm a sort of pragmatist about this in a way. I can't see the CPS putting any effort or money or time or even poking their head above the parapet, you know, to bother convicting someone for doing a consensual... Except... Except there's yeah. so many moving wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of those moving wheels are taking those headlines over 5,000 newly recorded right. cases... No nuance. Without understanding that's not new occurrences in the UK, that's just simply... And maybe, like, a, Pierce document. Is, and maybe a Pierce is an easy win. It, Ta-da! Easy win. And I would not want to be the piercer that happened to pierce an 18-year-old Somali girl. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. <laughs> young woman, forgive me. Uh, a young woman. Oh, that's one of the other things that's really interesting about the, uh, the uh, 2003 Act is Section 6.1 of the definitions. Throughout the whole Act, they use very emotionally charged language. You wouldn't think it's emotionally charged, but it is. And it talks about child abuse, protecting the child, protect the girl. You know, this is an atrocity, an abomination. We can all agree, like that that mental I image that we have, we don't want to see case. happen. Of yeah. the worst case, we don't want to see happen. But then in section 6.1 of the definition, they say, anywhere that we use the word girl, we also mean woman. How did that get through? Right. And, and obviously it's because it's such an emotionally charged issue. And what I would also call, uh, do they use this uh, low-hanging fruit? Yeah, 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 yeah. Slang yeah. in the UK yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. It's, 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 it's easy. It's so hard for politicians sometimes to get things passed. Mm -hmm. This is something everyone can get on board with, right. including a feminist could look the other way and not even think twice because, of course, we're not talking about our I mean, women. I mean, we're talking about your women. Right. Are also There's an interesting sort of parallel case which has happened recently, so the, which might illustrate sort of some of my comfort about this, which is that there was a, a law. So the government tried; they brought in a law called the Psychoactive, Sub Psychoactive Substances Act because they were fed up with kind of retrospectively banning new designer drugs. Like they ban one thing and <laughs> totally. then and then they change one molecule, exactly. you know, and then that new thing would be legal. So they 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 made a law. And it's one of the worst pieces of... And again, it's kind of, we must be seen to be doing something, you know, yeah. we must respond. It was the conservative government, so they have a kind of authoritarian tendency anyway. Let's not look at the evidence about drug policy. <laughs> Let's just, just make a law. And the law basically said, and here's, this is literally the wording in the law, anything that has a psychoactive effect is illegal. And they went... <laughs> right? And they went... Food, yeah, totally. Um, like jo jogging, chocolate. Yeah, exactly. So, and so they put they put in exceptions in that law for tobacco, alcohol, of course, um, poppers, because an MP in the debate said, "I'm a gay man. I use poppers. If you don't exclude right. poppers, that's homophobic." 
No, yep. that got through. That got through. Amyl nitrate? Amyl nitrate, yeah. Is, so, which okay. is illegal anyways right. in hell. Right. Illi- I mean, not, no, not in the UK. States. It's explicitly legal. It's explicitly <laughs> legal. It's one of the only things that is illegal. <laughs> right? They, but they out... Amazing. So... So this so everyone was like this is this is the worst law and they were like we don't care it went on the books right and and, and you know, head shops shut down stopped selling right it was terrible but there was recently a test case because a guy got charged for selling um, nitrous oxide canisters yeah. whipped cream yeah which is which is used for which cooking. is used for cooking yeah. but illegal to sell for human consumption yeah. and the defense was. Um, basically, I, uh, the, the exact the exact details are slightly beyond my grasp. But it's basically they said this law bans the sale of um, things that are designed, like designed to have a psychoactive effect, yeah. and this is not designed to do that. Yeah. So therefore, it's not illegal. And the court went, no, I promise it's not. Yeah. So that got thrown out, right? So this stupid, well-intentioned law with too much, you know, with too many edge cases. Um, as soon as it got its first test, it crumbled in court. And I, yeah. I think. You know, I sort of have some faith in the British legal system, not a huge amount, but um, I think the same would happen um, with with um, th- with the Pearson case. I think it will depend on how the Crown prosecution wants it played yeah. and how palatable the people involved are. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's also true. So if you had, you know, as we all know, with piercings, if they're done properly, infection is extremely rare and problems are extremely rare. But let's say someone did have an infection. Right. And let's say there was even something that could produce an emotional response such as disfigurement. I would not want to be that person. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And there are enough health inspectors who are not barristers or solicitors here, but there's lots of them have opinions. Yeah. And I've seen way more than once. I've seen at least a half dozen times where UK health inspectors will conflate child abuse for mutilation. So they'll yeah. say like, but whatever you do, don't pierce a female under the age of 18 because mm-hmm. that's female genital that's mutilation. Which yeah. it isn't. Which it law. isn't. It's yeah. other things. It's mm-hmm. sexual abuse, sexual assault. It's exactly. probably GBH, actually. But if well. you have enough people pushing on a case like that, it yeah. could at least... I, I don't think it would win because of that, but I think uh, something like that would be worth I mean, you're, pushing for. I mean, you're right. The law's capricious. I mean, yeah, again, look what, look what, look what happened with Spanner. The, the, the coppers wanted to get these guys on something because they had a kind of moral outrage at yeah. what, these, what those guys were doing. So, yeah, and, and that, you know, I, I, again... And for the listener that may not know, Operation Spanner oh, was yeah. a, a court case that occurred here in the UK. It's most relevant uh, for us is Mr. Sebastian, who's the most famous early uh, piercer in the UK, was arrested for doing a consensual body piercing. On his partner. And found guilty. Mm. And the court case stuck. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and, and that was, and that was a, a big, I mean, in different times, it was a kind of institutionally homophobic Met Police at a time of great moral panic about queer sexuality. Um, but but yeah, it was basically some cops were like, well, we got to get those bastards for something yeah. that this this if it's, this isn't illegal, it should be. And you know, it's a kind of you know, it's it's called the it's called Operation Spanner, which was the name of the Met Police operation to like Hoover up these men because the cop one of the cops who's written about it subsequently says we called it Operation Spanner because it made our nuts tight in watching the videos. And as an aside, because I know a lot of your listeners will be. American, uh, United States. Uh, the reason why we don't have this direct immediate issue is when we decided to get active, like the United Nations requested, they took one look at the type four, which is the all-inclusive type right. of female genital mutilation. It's a catch-all. Yeah. And it's literally anything and everything. Mm-hmm. If we haven't thought of it, it's kind of like that drug reference yeah. you're making. It's illegal. Right. Any intentional harm without providing a scale or definition for harm. Mm. So technically, that would include waxing, electrolysis, uh, shaving, anything that creates any sort of injury, no matter how insignificant the trauma, it's technically a type four. Yeah. Uh, and that's where the word piercing appears, along with you know scraping and uh, chemical application. Abrasion. Anything, exactly. Right. Anything goes in that type four. Well, when they were, when it was coming to law in the U.S., they're like, uh, no, let's just keep this yeah. to like cuttings, right. like no cuttings right. that are not for medical, you know, 
elective reasons mm-hmm. you can't do it. So do you, the, the law was much more. Do you know? I mean, contained. So the the, the other types are again. I think you know they're the kind of things we imagine when we think of as when we think of FGM, right? They're they're sort, um, of. sort of right. Yeah. But, yeah. but they're more no, straightforward. No, no, they are. They're more they straightforward. Are. So what's they're, is is there a particular area of the world or particular practice they were trying to target with using the word piercing? Like, is there is there a community somewhere in the world yes, that uses piercing? They're, on they're all children? communities of color. They're all communities that were former yeah. colonies. Uh, they are many of them are Muslim, but not not yeah. exclusively. But that is a thing that happens. Twenty eight countries in Africa. Yeah. A handful that that are in the Middle East, and then the outlier but, is Indonesia. But but doing to, to, doing doing outlier. piercing. Kind of like that's my, that's my question. Right. Why, why type four? Because why they, isn't type it, one to three sufficient for the for the legal standards? Because like all there things going because on. Because this is a campaign, and as you p- apply pressure in areas as the state, or in this case, the United yeah. Nations, uh, with states in cooperation, uh, as you apply pressure then you come up with creative alternatives. Right. So that's why you... The, the oh, I see. Huge area like... Oh, so, so they were worried that the, the communities, practitioners, would read the law and, and design... Design by their own cutting and then... Yeah. In part. That's else. why they had okay, to... They had to retaliate because over the years, because keep in mind, this has been going on for decades, you know, so initially it's like, you know, you had that in, in, uh, that image of that little brown girl lying on a dusty Getting world. Getting into and infibulation. And they're like, yeah. well... If, if that's your issue, then we'll just do it in the hospital like we do male circumcisions. Absolutely not. You cannot medicalize this. So, so you know, they, wow. they have yeah. all these things where they roadblock the arguments. And so in Indonesia, for instance, that is a place where more traditionally there is no excision. So type 1 is general. And, and here's the thing where, like, yes, types 1 through 3 are more of what we imagine. Yeah. It's more of that imagining a female genital mutilation, the, the stereotypical but even they are, when you read the definitions, there's weird overlaps that don't make sense. If I was going to simplify them, one would be like a clitorectomy, the removal of the clitoris. Type two would be excision, removing a part, but that can also be the removal of the clitoris. Yeah. And then type three is infibulation, which is to, to close up the vaginal yeah. opening, but it can also include types two and one. So anytime you, you try to get into like nomenclatures and text, yeah. Taxonomy, sorry, um, it starts to get complicated. But there's not there's not any particular tradition of of, of, of stuff that rep, that resembles can, like Western body, adorn, body adornment, but in done in a like shoving a spike through something to numb it. Yeah, not not to numb it. Yeah, but uh, the pricking as a compromise started to develop, and in fact we see it, and I believe I. I can't swear, but my my belief is that is what naturally, because you know culture changes, yeah, practices yeah. change. Yeah. I believe that's what the change was. While why they do piercing in Indonesia, oh, interesting. my belief is it has gotten less extreme there over time. Interesting, and that would also have to do with geographics. That's my theory. I don't I haven't done any ethnography there, yeah. so I, I can't say. But that's that would be my guess. That's interesting. But in other places, they I, I do know that they've tried to come forward with piercing as a compromise. And we're not talking about piercing with the insertion of jewelry. We're talking about piercing without the insertion of jewelry. Right. And in all manner, hygienically, asepsis, not. Uh, where there are two cases of it having been uh, brought forward with immigrant communities as a compromise, and it's called the prick compromise. And one was in the Netherlands, and the other one was in Seattle, where both of them had immigrant communities. Uh, the medical professionals in both of these communities were like, right, we understand cultural sensitivity. We understand that you can bring us your male babies and we'll whack their foreskin off without thinking twice. But your females, we, we cannot touch. Right. And we know that you're either doing it yourselves or maybe you're having people come in is our fear. Or we definitely know, and there are recorded cases, of then taking these girls yeah. away. And then we have no control over the hygiene, no control over what sort of invasive procedures are being done. So what if we do this compromise? And you'll, you'll, I'm sure you can tell by the tone of my voice, I think it was a beautiful compromise. Yeah. Where... These women had to be, the, I'm sorry, these, these females had to be developed enough and they had to have an ability to consent. So the age of 14 was established. You had to, so that they were still young um, uh, and it, was, it could still uh, be part of a, a community rite of passage. 
but it had to be done under uh, aseptic conditions. Mm-hmm. It had to be done in a hospital, uh, and it had to have local anesthetic applied. Uh, the young female had to consent. The family had to consent. They've anesthetized the area, and then they take and they make a single piercing to draw blood. Uh, and would that suffice for the community? And the immigrant communities were like, yeah, that'll suffice. And the medical communities were like, yeah, this works for us too. And the, the, the anti-FGM uh, NGOs came down swift, and they came down hard. And in both cases, they shut it down hmm. so that there is no compromise. Right, right, right. Yeah. Religion is insane. I'm just going to put that out there. Well, yeah. I'll let you put that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put that on the record. I'll put that right on the record. Religion is insane. <laughs> but whatever. But It's yeah. powerful. I will say that. It, it's, it's incredibly powerful, powerful you know, yeah, uh, powerful. For, for better or worse. Um, but, yeah, I, I just want to thank both of you for, for your insight on it because you can tell that you're, you're both, you know, really passionate about getting to the, the root of the matter rather than being just reactionary or you know knee-jerk kind of reactions and you can tell that you're studied in it and that you've put a, a lot of time into to looking so at there's it. So there's a, a science writer in the UK called Ben Goldacre who writes about um, like pharma and things like that but he has a slogan which is I think you'll find it's more complicated than that. <laughs> like that's his catchphrase right, right. when he's writing about science reporting. I think you'll find it's more complicated than that. Yeah. And I think you know that's a kind of good motto for life. Like any issue is more complicated than it first appears. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I, I don't know. I think, I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm less pessimistic than you are about its, its, its potential effects on, on the industry. And I, you know, I have to. But it's already affected. It. So yeah, if you've got a, piercers in, yeah, in, that aren't piercing yeah, females, right, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's already seeped right, in. Yeah, it's And I said, I mean, I, I did. I said this yesterday to you. I think like one of the one of the issues, one of the complications about this, and we touched on it a little bit already. But the if if the piercing industry is going to do activism on this, and I think they should, we should. But we got to be so careful that it's not like, oh. But this law affects us now, right? Like, oh, you know, this this law, which is trying to kind of, you know, protect pe- um, uh, people of color and vulnerable, vulnerable young girls. But like, what about me? What right. about me, right? Like, middle class, white woman? people too. White people too, right? Yeah. And 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 there's a real risk in t- of the tone of activism that we yes. can get that wrong because you know it, it does it can end up being like, oh, what about, what about this affects me too now, yeah. and it's like we don't care about like you know. In in the kind of hierarchy of public discourse, um, you know, a twenty year old white woman who wants to get a, a clit hood piercing always loses to <laughs> to um, five year old immigrant child who's, yeah. who's having you know, yeah. her, her clitoris removed, right? And and you, I think, you know, if there there are ways of doing the activism on this wrongly from Absolutely. from our point of view, from a, right, you know, in a selfish way, yeah. in a selfish way. But I would also say. <clears throat> For 40 years, we've perhaps been a little misguided yeah, in how yeah, the yeah. activism's been done, which yeah. is, I am all for helping anyone right. that is asking for right. help. Right. But what does it mean when I'm helping those that aren't asking exactly. for help? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Right, yeah. Im- imposing your help yeah. when it's not solicited. I mean, the other, the other sort of point on that, of course, is that, um, and this is almost sort of what happened with the with Theresa May and the Home Affairs Select Committee, which is that... Um, the oh, what was I going to say? I had a good point. Um, yeah, no. So um, yeah, which is which is that? Um, no one wants to be the the parliamentarian who's like, I'm against. Like I'm I'm going to slap down this this FGM law. Right. I'm going to I'm yeah. standing I mean, up. Nobody wants to be painted as pro. I'm, yeah, exactly. No. And and this is right. how this is and this is how um, a lot of public discourse. I mean, particularly. Uh, in it happens you know, so much in the UK. You either and this is how the, our news shows work. It's how our opinion columns work. It's how um, you know, social media discussions work. You're either for something or you're against something. We don't have any. Yeah. So you're right. No, so no so all of a sudden, no, no if you're no standing up and go, hey, I wanna I wanna um, stand up for the rights of women to get their genitals pierced. It's like you're pro FGM now. Yeah. You're pro FGM. I had a friend of mine 
Who's a who's, sorry? You were trying to wrap sorry, up. Sorry, you were trying to wrap up. <laughs> sorry, I had a, a friend of mine who's a, a friend of mine who's a pornographer, and she finds like she's she came and did a talk at um, I run a debate series or a sort of discussion series at my university where I try and not Very do cool. that, not have polarized discussions. Yeah. Actually, kind of find people who have common ground and have a discussion with some nuance Very rather cool. than like pronouncing. Because my friend who's a pornographer, she does a lot of um, public speaking at the universities, and it's always like her against a vicar. <laughs> right, and the vicar's just like, well, women get trafficked into pornography, you know, into prostitution and trafficked into sex work, and she's like, yeah, they do, and that's terrible. I'm not for that, yeah. but like, you're the, you're the, you're, you're the, you're the, this is good side of the discussion. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to tell you this stuff's bad, and by definition, by the way this debate is framed, she's on the on the pro side, and th- I think this is again a risk of this potential activism on right. on rights of peers people, which is like, well, yeah, you end up being like, oh, don't worry about those. Those brown people. What about me? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Two sides of a coin and nothing else. And and even if you don't mean that, I don't think anyone will mean that. That's potentially how it comes across in the you know in the in the in the kangaroo court of public opinion. That's why um, the closing of the lecture. I have a slide. um, Seven things you should know about FGM in Africa or female genital surgeries. Actually, they use that terminology in Africa, and it was put together by some of the leading anthropologists in the world on the subject. And it just it 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 grays the area. Yeah. It grays it. It's like, you know, hey, for starters, how about you work with people that are in those communities? Yeah. <laughs> how, how about that for a start? Yeah. Find out what it is they want and, how, and, and what campaigns they want and what their needs are. Right. Ask them. Yeah. Almost like trying Don't so hard them. to protect this community that you're ignoring. Yeah. Basically. Oh, well, I mean, like just by saying that an adult woman cannot consent to right. any of these practices. Right. Yeah. There is a violence to that as well, mm. which we are stripping you. Right. Of. We are saying that you are so culturally brainwashed, and, right. you can't make choices on your own. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah, very, very for for an adult. For an adult. For an adult. For an adult. Right. Yeah. And there, are, I mean, and, you know, and there are lots. There are intersecting campaigns in in because the, 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 the UK law on consent is you know root is old and rooted in in in, in you know various things, including the Spanish stuff. Um, it also affects one of the other things it affects is. Um, like what can and can't be shown in pornography in the UK. So you can't show ble- bleeding in 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 porn in the UK. It's illegal. It's called it's counted as extreme pornography, um, right? And there's there's a, there's a whole litany of things you you can and can't do. Many of them are you know explicitly targeting queer people, kinky people. Um, like you can't show female ejaculation in, in UK porn. You can't show face sitting like women because because the poor man like can't breathe apparently. <laughs> so. <laughs> And this is true. This is in the rules, right? But um, but again, the, the, you know, but the, a lot of that. So a lot of a lot of the logic of what can and can't be shown is also to do with consent to yeah. to violence, right? So there are lots of intersecting campaigns, I think, which can probably work. So there's 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 um, there's sort of, there's kinky groups like Backlash who work for S and M yeah. rights. Um, uh, you know, they recently did a campaign for a, a, a woman who ran her own. Um, like spanking mm-hmm. porn site um, and and that kind of you know she fought the regulations that said that wasn't um, I actually wasn't suggested allowed. like I, yeah. I, I had a list of suggestions and yeah. contacting back um, and there you know and there are there are other groups um, you know, not not all, not all I not all of whom I would share all of their goals or ideologies um, by any means but you know there are there are groups campaigning about pornography legislation in the UK which also intersects with this because the the logic of the law all goes back to these this complexity about consent um consent and and you know agency over you know and sovereignty over your own body and but also like feminism and colonialism and racism and xenophobia like it intersects on all of those yeah, exactly, issues. exactly. Um, and so, you know... Islamophobia. I mean, all yeah, of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah, it, it, there, there, are, there are kind... There are, there are, there are lots of intersecting issues which, which play into this, which probably, you know... It, 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 like a broad... I mean, a broad-spectrum campaign about, about, about bodily autonomy is probably, yeah. you know, is probably a, a, a better starting point than... You're giving the, the public a lot of credit for having the mental capacity to understand... <laughs> That conversation, though. I, I'm an I academic. Think, I have to believe right, that people right. understand things. Otherwise, what I'm doing is yeah. pointless. This is self-delusion, perhaps. <laughs> I actually would say, or my opinion, actually, I think a better conversation to uh, get on the coattails of is consent. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because yeah. consent is such a hot consent around sex. And yeah. what does that mean? I can see it being Medical used in a negative consent. way where it's just like, well, should we let people agree to have their clitorises cut yeah, off? Yeah, exactly. That, I think that's how they would paint the argument, you know? 
as as a slippery slope presenting right. the most extreme. Right. And, right. and yeah. there are those, you know, should someone be allowed to cut their arm off or have a mm-hmm. finger amputated or, or whatnot. Right. Right. Uh, those things do need to be discussed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then that gets into areas such as mutilation and right. self-harm. And, but absolutely, I think mm-hmm. that's the discussion. Should, like, yeah. what is consent? Yeah. What, yeah. what are the limits of, you know, uh, sovereignty as right. far as the individual? I would imagine it parents. started as a goodwill thing. Like, of course we want to protect yeah, these course. people. Exactly. Yeah. But then it snowballed into this, like, but we're not really going to pay attention to how you do that properly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not even the properly. Be, something must be seen to right, be done. Right, how, like... This has been going on 40 years right. in current times. And like, what advantages have we trying what protections have we gotten for it? Yeah, right. and, and why is this still happening? Right, right. So then they'll do things like, well, you have to do public, den- I don't know if you know about this, public denunciations, like no. things to like get you in money for like schools and hospitals. Hmm. Yeah. Really? Yeah, but like, like the old Chinese, like Vietnam, like public denouncing, like right. I mean, we will not perform this, mm-hmm. like, and you you have to do these public performances, mm-hmm. which again, like, I mean, I get it. I don't want anyone to have to like go through something yeah. non-consensual, yeah. but like, wow, that's and a even really I mean, but they're painting with a wide brush. Yeah. It's a really powerful. I mean, even again, just another thing, another case that's happened recently this week that might pertain, right? Which was a twelve-year-old girl who was groomed online. By a pedophile, pedophile, pedophile. I'm getting American accents. Um, by a pedophile, and she sent him nudes, right? And so she's a victim, right? Except the law says she's made child pornography images, and so she's potentially, yeah, maybe going to get charged with. So she's prosecutable. She's prosecutable, and the and 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 she. she I don't know. It's, it's the the the, 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 the it came to the, the the into the newspapers this week because the mother was like, what the hell are you right. doing? She's a victim. She's a victim. Not the criminal. But this is so. This is again. You know, when we talk about consent, even even of underage kids, like what if some what if some you know teenager who's 13, 14, 15 like pierces her own genitals? Yeah, I don't know. Or right, right exactly. Or so pierces it uneducated and accidentally causes yeah grave even injury. Even if not, right, right, trust right, right. Me, if right. She's that right. Young, yeah, they're going to be asking questions. Yeah. and yeah, and the thing is, the way the law is written. She could very easily, and this is not being dramatic, be taken out of the home, right. put into safe, and that, and this is some of the newest stuff that's coming into the news, where they're actually starting to report on some of the harms that have mm-hmm. resulted from enforcement, because the child, like at the first mention of it, the the child is taken out of the home, right. and sometimes it is months, sometimes it's been over a year. Wow. And it's while they're doing the investigation. So right. it's not even that, like, it's definitely been done. It's mm-hmm. just on the mere allegation of it. Right. The child is ripped out of the home. Uh, in the 2015 family uh, This is going case, to be the last instance I will let you talk about. I'm sorry. <laughs> but 2015, they, they, uh, the family court uh, listened to a case of these two children. One was a boy, one was a girl. that were taken away uh, under concerns of female genital mutilation on the young girl child. And it's a wonderful read because the judge unpacks all of it, including well, did that male boy have a circumcision? Is circumcised, <laughs> yeah, right? and you know what? Because there's a little bit of medical data that says that there might be a medical benefit to this, I'm not going to touch this. Sure. Yeah, but let's talk about this. And they had three experts come in, all but one of them. The the two were nonsense, and the thing is, they were experts. Mm-hmm. And the one he shredded, and that actually became headline news because she was so unqualified to report on female genital mutilation, and yet she was an expert on it. In quotes. And then the second, yeah, yeah and, the, and the second one, uh, because of social pressures, because you know you can be experts and have medical licenses, but the social still always enters it. Because the first one had identified it as mutilation, she didn't want to be that person. And she, she goes on the court to, to admit this, like, even though I wasn't seeing what she was seeing, I didn't want to be the one yeah. that didn't right. see it. Right, right, right. So, uh, so you had two that were saying, yes, mutilation's been done, and the third one, who actually is a confirmed expert, that mm-hmm. has the only clinic in the UK, actually, that specializes in, uh, in pediatric and young, younger female, uh, female genital mutilation. She's like, no, there's nothing that's... Right, right. <laughs> no, nothing's yeah. happened here. Yeah. Move along. Yeah. So, 
uh, to, to wrap it up. So no, 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 no. It's, it's a fantastic conversation, but yeah. I would imagine that the two of you could talk about this for half a day yeah. if you were, we're allowed. Are, right. Well, you know, you, you, know, you, you got to fly across an ocean to find your compatriots. You know. Uh, so if if people want to search you out, find more about your research and your other fields, like where would they find so you? So the easiest place is um, just at Matt Lodder, M-A-T-T-L-O-D-D-E-R on Twitter, I guess. There's a link to my academic uh, stuff on there. I've Most of my academic articles are online, um, but yeah, Twitter is probably the easiest thing to find me on you, Paul? please 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 do not do Facebook please 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 do treasurer at safepiercing.org what about uh, websites BPA uh, BPA is a basically okay, a landing page that's okay, body piercing archive it's a landing page it has great information uh, if, if you want to see like my formal like who I am uh, I can either send resumes if, through the treasurer at safepiercing.org. Right. They know who you are. You're Paul fucking King. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to cyberstalk me at the, the coldsteelpiercing.com uh, website, there's a page in there that lists everything okay. academic, everything professional, Great. all that stuff. Okay. Well, Safe. inside leg measurement. Coldsteelpiercing.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Wow. Thank you, guys. <laughs>